With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Veronica Garza managed a series of autoimmune issues that inspired her to figure out how to make the food she loved and grew up eating, like tortillas, without grains. She would go from making almond flour tortillas by herself in her kitchen in Laredo to stocking them in local stores, to acting as the chief innovation officer for a national brand you now know and love, Siete Foods, the fastest-growing Latin-focused brand in food and beverage at scale. Veronica shares how her family of seven, Siete, came together to make it happen, their decision to take $90 million in investment, and how she, a woman who once refused to share any of her recipes, is now launching a new cookbook. The Siete Table, nourishing Mexican-American recipes from our kitchen. Veronica, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. You grow up, I mean, you're, you're a healthy kid growing up. It's really not until your late teens that all of a sudden you start experiencing some health issues. How did they first show up? Yeah, I I feel like I was so healthy growing up. Um, And then, you know, I was in cheerleading from like fourth grade to my senior year of high school. So Texas. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't really another option, especially since I was sort of following my sister's lead. So she did cheerleading. That was for me. Getting bruises and stuff was normal because you would get hit when you were doing, you know, these stunts or performances But I started noticing some really um, dark and very large bruises my senior year of high school. And they were taking really long time to heal. And it turned out that I had an autoimmune condition. You know, we talk a lot on this program very often for people, a health scare is a major pivot point in their own lives. 
those pivot points tend to come a little later. It's a health scare in your late 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s that all of a sudden sends you down this entirely different life path. To have that type of health scare at 17, when you feel like your life is just beginning, has to be a different situation altogether. Yeah. I don't know if I was mature enough at that point to like really understand what that meant. I kind of ignored it. I took the medicine mostly. (laughs) I would sometimes get tired of it and decide, you know what, I'm not going to take my medicine anymore. I I feel fine. Um, And then I would go back to the doctor months later and they'd scold me. I couldn't comprehend that this was something that was going to affect me for the rest of my life, potentially. It also helps explain why your family then is quietly conspiring to be as supportive and helpful as possible. And one of the many things that they sort of come to in that process is this idea of eating paleo or a grain-free lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I think back on how my family did that for me, but also we had just as a family decided that we were going to go on this health journey together. But it was obvious in my family that everybody potentially had some sort of issue with gluten uh, and maybe grains. Take me back then to making your first tortillas without grain. How did that idea come to you? And how many times did you have to get it wrong before you got it right? I mean, it was really just necessity, problem solving. I wanted to create something that would allow me to continue to enjoy the foods that I loved, not just for me, but my family as well. You know, when we would have carne asadas with my family, we'd make fajitas and, you know, I'd have to put them in a piece of lettuce or just eat them with a fork and knife. It just didn't feel the same. And, um, you know, I had memories of making tortillas with my grandmother. Uh, She would make flour tortillas from scratch and let all of her grandkids and then great grandkids join in on that. So I had memories of doing that and then going back home because my grandmother lived in another town. So I would get back to Laredo, uh, the border town where my family and I are from, and ask my mom, can we go buy the ingredients so that we can make tortillas like grandma's? So it was a lot of experimentation. You asked about iterations, and I feel like we're still iterating. (laughs) I love that. Who's the first person who says, I think this is a thing. I think this could actually be a business and something bigger than something you do for just our family? I think it was really helpful to have somebody like my grandma be able to taste the tortillas while she didn't say like, hey, this is something you should definitely turn into a business. Just her saying, these taste really good and they're better than mine, I think was sort of the blessing that we needed to go ahead and move forward with the business that we were already thinking about I mean, I feel like pretty early on, I was already thinking this is special, you know, to where people would ask me for the recipe and I never told a soul except my mom who would help me make them. I kind of knew I could have something special here, but uh, it really was, I think, my grandmother who sort of pushed us over the edge. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. 
Swathers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swathers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swathers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. There's a bold move that you and your brother make in order to really do this, to have proof of concept. You've got to get it into a storefront, right? You're not going to build a business just like dishing these out to friends and family. One, what was the business called at that point? I wouldn't even say we were a brand at that point. <laughs> we were a product <laughs> um, and we called ourselves Must Be Nutty. And it wasn't B like B-E to B. It was just the letter B, like a middle initial. Although everybody in my family was sort of part of it, helpful was my parents and my brother and myself that were actively working on like starting the business. And between us, we have two law degrees, um, a master's degree in counseling psychology and an MBA for myself. So we joked that, you know, it was the perfect name for a brand because we must be nutty to... <laughs> go into a kitchen and hand press tortillas. <laughs> so I, I was living in Laredo, Texas at the time. And my brother was living in Austin after he had graduated from law school. So he was aware of this grocery store called Wheatsville Co-op that sold lots of natural foods. So we decided we are going to start very small. And I made a pack of tortillas and I drove them up to Austin and a little tortilla warmer. And we literally just walked in on the day that we knew that the buyer was going to be there. So he tried them and immediately, and without asking any questions, he's like, how quickly can you have them ready for shelf? And um, it was a bold move of us because we didn't have anything but a recipe at that time. We didn't have a business plan. I mean, not that you need one. You really don't, I really don't think you need a business plan to start a business. I think that sets people back. That's a very provocative thing to say. <laughs> I do. I think people should just 
do it and you kind of figure out your business plan along the way. But if you let that hold you back, most people don't know how to write a business plan. Even I had an MBA and thinking about that was so daunting to me. And you can't figure out all of those things until you're kind of in it. That is a big part of the story is the fact that at each step, y'all are just like, we'll just figure out the next step, right? Because the next step there becomes you can't make this many tortillas in your personal kitchen, nor would you be allowed to. <laughs> so you actually have to find a, not just any kitchen, but a gluten-free kitchen in order to do this. What I want to highlight here is you do this with tremendous personal sacrifice. And I'm not sure that that is how you saw it at the time or how you would even describe it now, but you basically crash with your brother mm -hmm. all the time so that you can be close to this kitchen and making tortillas. And like, was your thinking at that time, like, I'm just going to get through a few weeks. I'm just going to get through a few minutes. What was driving you to be a grown woman who, as I imagine it, was sleeping on your brother's couch? You know, even after the first time we put a couple of cases on the shelf, in one day we were informed that all of the tortillas had sold out. So it was literally just, well, we need to get more product on the shelf because I feel now, you know, even if that's 20 people or 30 people that bought them that week, they're now counting on us to put them back on the shelf for next week. I think in the beginning, it was literally just that. There are people counting on us and we have to keep doing this. You go through this accelerator program that I think provides a lot of scaffolding for what the business will become. It's where there's the name change. Mm -hmm. And it is where you are forced to articulate, what are we as a brand for? And what are we as a brand against? I wonder what you saw as the greatest value of that experience. It opened up my eyes to a lot of things. Just that exercise that we literally sat down and did. We you know, had a whiteboard and we had two columns and my family and I sat down. Actually, I think we were doing this once around the dinner table and once in a boardroom at the accelerator program. Um, it, it wasn't like a one day thing. We realized when we put everything on paper, we're like, you know, this brand name that we've been going by for the past year plus just doesn't really tell the story that we want to tell. And we realized in that process just how important family was to us. And that's where we decided we would become Siete. We decided on a logo. It's a heron, which is Garza, my family's last name. So uh, yeah, I would say the Accelerator program really just helped us to put down on paper who we wanted to become. We wanted to be this Mexican-American food brand, a better-for-you Mexican-American food brand that could be mainstream and you know help lots of people, be part of lots of people's lives. We've talked with a lot of entrepreneurs about getting products into spaces. I think you are the first guest we've ever had who's worked in the consumable category, which is really different than shelf space for a beauty product, a cosmetic product, a hair product. And for you, the sort of the big whale is Whole Foods. I mean, getting into Whole Foods, you know, will be the thing that just catapults you to the next level. And getting into Whole Foods 
to your point about planning, really more than anything required a tremendous amount of luck. It did. Especially in our case, I feel like we were trying. We had reached out to, at that time, they worked with these local foragers who would pick up products for your region. So we had reached out to that person. My brother had even, I mean, basically the same way we did it at Wheatsville. He took a little plastic baggie and left it for the local forager, I think with a little note to, you know, reach out to him if she had any questions. And um, that didn't work. (laughs) Which I think is important because I don't want every Latina listening to this who has a consumable idea to be so inspired by the initial success that they imagine that if they just show up with a jar of their salsa verde to a local store that it's going to take off. It works one time. It doesn't work the next time. Yeah. Sometimes there is a lot of luck, like in our case, where eventually we did get into Whole Foods and it just so happened that There was a woman who was purchasing our tortillas on a regular basis from Wheatsville. And she was friends with John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods. So one day we get a message from this woman, an email saying, hey, I was with John Mackey this weekend and I was telling him about your tortillas and asking him why they don't carry them at Whole Foods. And his response was, Okay, we'll carry them at home. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the LA area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Foods. I want to fast forward to 2019. You you decide to take a $90 million minority investment from Stripes Group to fund the company's growth. What were the conversations that you were having as a business, but almost more interestingly to me as a family, about the pros and cons of taking that investment? I mean, my family, especially my parents, are pretty risk averse. So it was difficult, but there definitely were conversations where we all asked each other, is this something that we want to do? I think it was really important for us, like who we would work with to do something like this. We weren't just going to take money from anybody. We wanted to make sure that these were people whose values were aligned with ours, who believed in our mission. You know, we would chat with some other investors and kind of tell them, hey, we we have this goal. I think one day we could be, as yet that we could be this billion dollar brand. And they'd kind of pull us back and be like, well, you know, I'm not sure about that. Why don't you guys just focus on this one thing, like just tortillas or just chips? They didn't really see what we were trying to do. And uh, the investors that we finally decided to work with, Stripes Group, when we told them that, they were like, yes, like we see it, we believe it, and we want to be part of that too. I think there's such a powerful lesson in there because like not all of us will have this conversation with an investor, but 
even just having this conversation with an employer where they see the possibility in you that you see in yourself is such a game changer rather than taking an opportunity that is slightly misaligned, right? We are like, I'm shooting for the moon. And they're like, just like dabble down over here. You'll be <laughs> fine. And you're like, no, I, th- mm-hmm. I really think I could do this. It, it takes that. I want to loop back to something we talked about at the beginning, which was you as a leader and and having now been with this business for years, in what ways has it forced you to change and to grow? What are you good at doing now that you weren't good at doing when you started? I've learned I've had to speak up and let people hear my voice. I feel like in the beginning, I was very hesitant to do that. And it's probably something that I'm still working on, but I am better at it. I have a voice that I want people to hear. And that's hard for me sometimes to do, but it is a desire that I have. And I feel like I'm getting better at that, speaking up when I need to speak up. And listening to my gut, I feel like is probably a big part of it. I have good gut instincts, whether that be about product that we want to launch or you know, people that we want to bring into our family, our team. I've learned to pay more attention to them so that I can actually act on things more, more quickly and not hesitate. Here's my final question to you, Veronica, which is, how do you go from being a person who is nervous about giving even your mom your tortilla recipe to creating an entire cookbook? Mm -hmm. I am still nervous. So we have (laughs) nervous but excited. We have a cookbook that is authored by me and my family, but put together with the help of a huge Siete team. Uh, That is coming out October 18th. I'm very nervous for this to get into people's hands. And I'm always hopeful that people will love it as much as I do. I'm very excited because I feel like it's something that can be for everybody. There are so many options that I feel that we're going to provide to people that, you know, they can go and share these delicious dishes with their friends and family. So many of these recipes are just things that my family and I would eat when we were growing up or recipes that my grandma would make. And obviously not the exact same thing, but sort of inspired by. So there's so much nostalgia in it. And I'm so excited for people to try it. I am so excited to try it. Veronica, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Florence Burrow Adams mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or wherever you're listening right now.
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.